Welcome to the 301 Podcast, the interview podcast for the hottest up-and-coming entrepreneurs, artists, and creators. Real, authentic, and inspiring. And here is your host, Marcus Engel. Let's get it started in 301. Today we can welcome mindfulness coach and fellow podcaster, Kira Bear. Welcome to the 301 Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, it's actually quite funny because we we studied at the same university, or you are still studying in the in the final courses of your your study program. Um, and uh, I think it's quite funny because um, a lot of people already have been to this podcast from the NHS Stanton University. So big shout out to those guys because I think they do a great job there. Otherwise, not so many people would be joining this podcast. Yeah. But before we get into it, and before we have all the exciting topics, um, maybe it's a good chance for you to have a quick introduction: who you are and also what you do. Yes. So yeah, my name is Kira. I'm uh, 27 years old and um, yeah, like already said, currently a student at NHL Standing in the Netherlands. I study leisure and events management and uh, also, yeah, because of previous experiences, that was the right choice for me to go for a study program. In particular, also because I wanted to study in English. So that's why I moved to the Netherlands. Uh, however, though, during my second year of university, I worked myself a little bit into a burnout and realized I need something, some kind of tool or help whatsoever to not let that happen again to me and had the great opportunity to do mindful leadership from my university as a minor. And that mm -hmm. mindful leadership really gave me so many answers, so many tools to work with. And that's where I am today, trying to be a mindful leader, trying to be a mindful coach. And like you said, doing that with podcasts as well as a blog and a website and slowly setting up my own business. Super cool and super exciting. And I think we will talk a lot about mindfulness today. Yes. Um, but uh, before we get into that, um, how was your start in the day? Because um, today is a very rainy Friday. Um, but nevertheless, I had a good start because uh, I had uh, uh, one of my favorite artists, he published a song, so I was <laughs> very hyped about this. How did you get started today? Yeah, wonderful question. Uh, it's Friday today and always on Fridays at 8.30 a.m. I host live meditations on my Instagram channel, which I did this morning as well. I always try to do these meditations based on my mood on that day, so never plan them three days ahead of this kind of meditation I have to do, but really take the morning, give myself a couple of minutes of like, okay, who are you today? How do you feel? And what kind of meditation would help you to have a better start into the day? And based on that, I then guide my meditation live on Instagram. And today I did a meditation, so to say, a check-in meditation to not just accept the mood you have in the morning or the emotion you have in the morning, but accept it and also appreciate it and see what you need to either get support to feel better or also to share that emotion with someone else to take along whoever, like if you feel happy, for example, to take someone else along to feel happy together. Mm, super exciting and do you think that also helps you a little bit to have also kind of like that commitment to your community that you're like i have to do this friday uh, meditation that it's also like kind of like a reminder for you like to to step step out of the the craziness <laughs> and and also do definitely. your meditations definitely it, it really helps the the whole instagram game um 
to be present on Instagram to talk about meditations, do meditations, as well as also talking about my process pushes me or, yeah, yeah, like you said, keeps me in the game. You want to continue sharing stories with your with your followers and with your with your audience. So if you don't do anything, then your audience isn't growing either or continuing to follow you. Hmm. And if you look at your your profile, I found that quite interesting. Like uh, it didn't matter like what you did, so, uh, either like at the job or at the school or at the university. You always try to be like super involved. You were like uh, part of the councils and president and everything. Like when was for you like the moment that you like felt okay? I'm like starting to lose myself. I, I this everything becomes uh, like too much. Difficult question. I don't think there was a certain no. I don't think there was a certain moment. It was a. a, a process that it started already with when I I still remember my first class and um, the first uh, yeah PBL problem-based learning class <laughs> where you enter and you get asked off okay who's going to be the chairperson and who's going to be the the board writer and what kind of position are you taking and I started to introduce myself with the with the sentence, yeah, I already have previous experience. I'm quite old. I was 23 at that time. I have experience in the event field. So sure, I do chairperson because I know about this topic probably already and I can handle it. And with that attitude, I continued to work. I continued to take on more jobs, more experiences. And I don't want to say that that is wrong because at that time I felt like I know the I have the experience already, so I just want to get more and more and more to actually also learn. So that's where it was a process that I constantly put more things on me. And due to the fact that I openly said, I'm so experienced, so I can do this, I can manage that. There were a yeah. lot of people who also expected that then from me of, oh, yeah, just ask Kira. She can do it. Like she's she's experienced in this field, so she can do it. She can do CEO, she can do head off, she can do another job, she can do that. So I think that was the process that then pushed it over the edge. Hmm. And um, is it okay if we talk a little bit about your burnout as well? Because you are the, yeah. the first one actually, uh, first guest that, that um, had one as well. Um, is, it, is it diagnosed or was it just something that you said like, oh, I felt like really stressed because I think that's also what a lot of people say like, oh, I think I had a burnout. But yeah. was it like really like a diagnosed burn burnout for you? Um, not at that time, uh, afterwards. So afterwards, uh, currently, for example, I'm in therapy as well as also afterwards when I did mindfulness, there were a couple of yeah, coaches, teachers, um, yeah. that, yeah, diagnosed it and said, yes, you had all the symptoms. You were like deep down in a burnout. You were completely like, just take the word. You were burned out. Like there was no yeah. space inside of you anymore. No. Uh, strength and energy to do more than just function and that on a really like on edge level like the smallest thing kicked me over the edge and um I felt it at that time that I felt at that time that I was just empty that I woke up and I just was I was already scared about what is going to happen today that I can't handle anymore And uh, afterwards or later, it then got yeah diagnosed as a burnout. Hmm. 
Yeah, like first of all, of course, thank you that, that you could also talk uh, so openly about it. But I think it's a very important conversation, I think, to have. And I also know that in your Instagram stories, you also talk very openly about it because then you said like then only then you can also make a change and also like uh, other people's uh, other people to help. Um, and uh, I think, but I, I don't want to talk like about the, the negative part. I want to talk about the positive part, I think, today as well. Um, wh when did you then for you like find kind of this... Um, let's say mindfulness um experience where you said oh there's something that can can actually help me and can can elevate a little bit also my mood and can help me out out of that like when did you start to explore it and how wonderful question because again not a specific moment but a process <laughs> it's i had i tried therapy before because i already felt okay something is going too too far something isn't quite right and with that therapy my the therapist I had back then didn't really or for me at least didn't feel like she took me serious so I just continued the same work and the same workload and then obviously it got even worse and the the moment where it changed was where I made the decision to say I need to get out of this environment so I needed to get out of university in here in the Netherlands I need to cut off all these responsibilities I have here and get a new environment where I don't have any responsibilities besides myself. And like I said in the beginning, thankfully enough, I had the grand tour program, it's called, from our university that I was allowed to go abroad. And I w went abroad first to South Africa for three months. And in South Africa, I really, I didn't do anything, literally just enjoying life. And I think mm. that was the turning point where I realized I need to start listening to myself. I need to start figuring out who I am and where I want to go with that. And that was the first step that set the foundation to then later on mindfulness. Because then afterwards I went to Bali for mindful leadership. And with that process of a therapist not really taking me serious, me working myself into a burnout, taking time to really only being with myself in South Africa, and then having mindful leadership afterwards. Mindful leadership gave me answers, information, research, practices, experiences. And every single moment for me was a realization of myself. And that's where I realized that mindfulness is my tool. Mindfulness is my practice that brings me closer to myself, as well as also I'm so certain um, that due to the fact that it helped me so much, it must help others as well. And that's mm. where that process, I think, kicked off. And, and how would you define mindfulness for yourself? Um, it's very much how it is described. <laughs> Mindfulness means uh, stay in the present moment with awareness and non-judgmental. So that whatever you do, how wherever you are, take the experience as it is in that moment and try to cut out any kind of biases, any kind of previous experience about yourself and about the other person. And the yeah, the most important part is the non-judgmental part. To really 
be okay with what is happening right now. And if someone is mad at you, then just let the person be mad at you. If someone is happy, just let the person be happy and don't judge that person for either or. And the same for yourself. When you're happy, just be happy. Don't overthink it. If you're mad, be mad, like full on, hardcore mad. Experience each single emotion in the moment that it comes. And that's super difficult. Mm. How would you advise someone, for example, who has never heard of mindfulness before uh, to get started? Take it easy. And in that sense, mindfulness is connected to so many things like yourself as well as also the people you are around. So the first step, and I think that's also the biggest learning goal I'm taking from it, you can't expect something from someone else if you haven't done it with yourself. So the first step is definitely be mindful with yourself. So catch yourself in these moments where you react based on something your brain tells you from a past experience and catch yourself to think, okay, is that really just me in this moment? Or is that something that I think I have to do because back in the days or someone outside of me told me I have to, or is that really me? I think those are the first most important steps to become more mindful. Hmm. Where do you think um, that whole mindfulness discussion, where do you think it it stands currently like in the, in the society? Do you think it's like very, like it's like becoming more present or is it present or? Very much. I think it's a huge trend at the moment especially when it comes to leadership training. Uh, a lot of leadership trainings these days when it comes to the business world are talking about mindfulness and mindful practices, mindful meditations to, to be a more mindful and authentic leader. And I think, and that comes from it that we work a lot more with people these days. There, these, these, all these processes are being done with uh, machines and so on, but the people today have to work in a team um, to come up with new ideas or to um, have innovative ideas, to be an entrepreneur and all that. It's all about the people as well as also to understand the consumer and the customer. And due to the fact that the level of understanding of other people is so high these days, mindfulness comes in, mindful leadership comes in with understand the person without judging the person, without making up your storyline that you think this is right for someone, but accepting what they are saying and just taking it as it is. And mindfulness can be a really good tool to help you do that. As an employee, as well as also a manager, like it's a it's a two-way street in both directions. Mm. Super, super interesting. Was it difficult for you when you went to South Africa to do nothing for three months? Like coming no. from like being super involved <laughs> into everything? Um, it was, like it seems like it's... Yeah. <laughs> we had these introduction meetings where where they were like, yeah, we have a student council here in South Africa too. So if you want to join for the three months, come and see us. And I was like, eh, no. <laughs> Because... I realized that I had to take a step back. I knew I have to take a break. I, I knew 
that only if I really close off everything and be with myself, I'm going to be better. I, I somehow knew that. So in the in the first, I think the easy thing was that due to the fact that I moved, I got asked many, many, many times. of like, who are you actually? What do you want to do? Like, how do you behave? How do you organize things? And and who are you in a group? In a group and whatsoever. So there were so many questions where I could start answering in a new way. And the two years before that, I made up my kind of student uh, personality. And mm. now I had the chance to change it. Where's your have you have you found out like where your inner drive is coming from? Like is is that something that that you have by default, or because you were like so involved from like very early on already? Like is that something that you have by default, or is that something that you think I don't know? Um, maybe your parents were entrepreneurs or something like this, where you where you could maybe see how it's done or something like that. I think so. There, there are many, there are many things that I've realized. Um, trying to get it into a structure to tell this that it's not too confusing. Um, there are a couple of things. Yes, definitely. Um, my dad is a not entrepreneur. I don't think he would define him as an entrepreneur, but he was a CEO of a major company which means my perspective of like the person who earns the money in the family is you go to work early, you work the whole day, you come home for a quick dinner with your family, and then you work in the evening again. And my dad was there for me throughout childhood and uh, in the weekends and in the holidays and so on. But when it comes to the, the working perspective, I had a very specific picture of how it should be. So I think from that perspective, the whole idea of me overworking myself is not surprising. Mm. And the other, the, the driver inside of me was um, with this whole always living up to other people's expectation that through my childhood or through growing up as well as also high school, I didn't have a high self-confidence, I would say. And when participating these yeah councils and event organizations and whatsoever i didn't get looked at from like the outside but for my skills and they were highly appreciated so i was like it was like a high that i wanted to live up on constantly like living living um to other people's expectation <laughs> i <laughs> found that quite an quite an interesting uh, sentence like is is that something that is just like your personality that you always try to like please other people before you like take care of yourself or is that something also that evolved over time that you became that kind of role definitely i think i think it evolved now because i used to be a huge people pleaser i used to be put yourself last in particular put your own emotions last And with mindfulness, with being authentic and having these experiences now that if I put my emotions first, if I put my behavior first, other people take me more serious 
other people appreciate me more, not in a sense that they love me more or something, but they know that I talk from the heart. They know that I talk mm. from a passion and they, it's a way better connection. So I think for my first, let's say 20 years of working, I was a person who, who behaved the way other people wanted me to behave or how I thought other people want me to behave. And due to mindfulness, I now behave in a way that I want to behave. And then I feel in a way that I want to feel. And with that, I connect way better. And I also inspire others to do the same towards me. And with mm. that, I get to know people on a whole new level. And that's a lot deeper than it was ever before. Yeah. No. I agree. You also said like um, that this kind of like mindset change also like helps you also like to inspire others. Um, and you also founded uh, yeah, maybe your, your first uh, small startup with uh, the Life Fanatics. Yes. Um, what, what are you trying to what are you trying to do with that startup? Yeah. So with the Life Fanatics, um, I hope to create a platform or a community where anyone feels comfortable to talk about personal development and growth because we all have different paths and we all have different ways of personally developing. Like that's also what we do in our podcast, that we have different guests on talking about their way of personal development because I come from a certain path, uh, past and I needed mindfulness to develop. But there are other people, just the other week, we had someone who's um, really into fitness because she needed that for her body to feel good in her body and then felt the um, result in her mental health. And I would like, with the fanatics, I would like to give a platform that anyone can talk about their experience, as well as also that hopefully anyone can find inspiration there to grow and to go on and to take the next step to become a better person and to grow and i think that's what the main goal of the fanatics is mm. i find it quite interesting that um i speak with a lot of different people as well and a lot of a lot of guests they try to like build a community and and like a platform and stuff like why do you think like communities um have become so or are becoming more important to our generation and maybe future generations i think conversation i think a lot of the or open conversation more conversation enhancing to communicate with um, with each other because this whole people pleasing thing living up to other people's expectations i think that's the pressure that um that the pressure that society brings the pressure that even university brings and your future profession and you, you always have these expectations you think you have to live up to and we as we and I, I think i say that for especially students in this uh how you call it quarter life crisis in these around the 20s um We are, we are struggling so much to find out who we are and what we really love and who we want to become. And one tool to find that out is speak about your emotions, like what really makes you mad and what really makes you happy and brings you joy. And if I can create a platform where either I talk with 
ton of people about what makes them happy and someone hears it and then becomes happy. Or if everyone just talks with each other, I'm just happy if I can get people together and they inspire each other and open up the conversation about emotions. Do you think that kind of um, quarter life crisis, how you called it, is also like a result of like the unlimited opportunities that we have at our disposal that is just too much to decide on like what to do and who I am and I can be everyone? Yes, for sure. The opportunities as well as also then the expectations. There is, I, I just recently talked with my grandpa about it. For him, he finished school and then he took over the company of his dad and that was it, like decision made. Due to the fact that the decision was made, the expectation wasn't as high, I would say. It was there, obviously, but it wasn't as high. So he wasn't as pressured. And also he didn't think of, oh, but I could possibly do that. Or maybe could do that and that and here and, oh, let's go in that way. For him, it was clear, like, this is the path. This is the, this is the way to go. And when I then talked with him of, Yeah, well, I could take a job there, but there's also a job opportunity here. And on the other hand, there's that. But my, like, I expect this from myself and my dad expects that from myself. Like, there is expectations as well as also opportunities that make choice very difficult, which then is again, though, what helps when you be mindful because if you mm. are more mindful and authentic with yourself if you understand who you are and if you start listening to yourself of what actually makes me happy then this whole work-life balance thing is actually not an issue because your work makes you happy you don't need the life part to be happy to equalize out the miserability that you have in your work if you just stay happy that's true yeah super interesting uh, topic i think uh, to to we could uh, probably deep dive for uh, two, two, two or three more hours on this topic alone <laughs> yes. um do you think that like the um, like mindfulness community um would be in need of like a new image to make it even more mainstream because i think sometimes the the connection to mindfulness yoga meditation is more like oh those are the esoteric guys like the you know <laughs> the yoga pants people that <laughs> um a, a, and you know like to to have a little bit more like a i don't know similar maybe like to the fitness industry of like okay like everyone is everyone can work out and become some something very interesting question also how you put it i think i think the problem is actually that mindfulness became too mainstream that in the sense that it has been handled too shallow when it comes to these mega companies, um, Germany or the Netherlands or Europe or America, a lot of these companies are like, oh yeah, we have a really good mindfulness program and when you join us, we help you to become more mindful. And all they do is uh, pay the subscription for a meditation app and that's it. So it's, That's where it became too mainstream of this is like a marketing tool of getting our employees healthier. So I think from that perspective, it actually became too mainstream. When it comes to getting a new image from this whole, what you just said, the spiritual picture, a hundred percent. I do have 
a certain a, like a, a touch of spirituality when I think about uh, mindfulness. But to be honest, when it comes to mindfulness, the neuroscience part, the um, how your brain works and how your brain changes when you meditate, as well as also all the research behind it, what happens to your body when you start meditating or any kind of other mindfulness practices, that for me is so much more interesting. And mm. if you then can put the spirituality part with it or not at all, I don't, I don't care. I don't mind it. So yeah, two, two sides, I think. For the one hand, too mainstream. And on the other hand, these stereotypes about mindfulness often, I think, come from people who never tried it. So mm. just try it and then realize that it has nothing to do with sitting at home and saying on the whole day. <laughs> not at all <laughs> but that's the number one that's the number one associ association with it right yes for sure when I, when i say i want to give a mindfulness workshop every, a lot of people come back with well, i just don't like meditation i'm like okay i'm not meditating sure that's yeah. fine <laughs> yeah why why do you choose or maybe chose the, the entrepreneurial journey over like an, an office job or like a job that you had before in like event agencies? I think the biggest motivator, yeah, the biggest motivator was that I think I, I haven't found a job yet in the position that I would like to work in because I want to talk to students. I want to, in that sense, change education towards a more mindful and holistic teaching way and education is such a should be careful with my words now um education <laughs> is very set in lines <laughs> we, can, we can we can bleep it <laughs> <laughs> education, <laughs> <laughs> education is set for like a hundred of years in the same way or very much in the same way and I already have changes here at NHL Stand and I do teach in a different way. Nonetheless, it is still a lot of straight line. This is how you have to be if you want to be successful and not often enough. Who do you want to be that you think makes you successful? And that position to be that person to go to universities or go to even the politicians to say there needs there has to be a change like you need to change the way you teach because the people coming out of university are lost they don't know how to behave they don't know how to learn they don't know how to how to behave towards other people but you want them to be in a job where the core element is behavior towards mm. other people And I haven't found that position yet. So I think I have to go and do my own thing with hopefully earning money with it. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about this part, to be honest. I, I mean, uh, you put a lot of passion in there and you put a lot of um, work into it as well in creating content. And I think, you know, if you... Like when you remember like why you started in the beginning to help other people and everything. And I think you do that already. Um, and uh, wait until you finish with your bachelor thesis. And then I think a lot more things are coming. I hope so. <laughs> um, 
talking about your 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 content that that you create, like you also say a lot of uh, times the, um, that asking other people for help um, is very important and talking about it. Why do you think there's still such a big barrier for people to to ask for help and also maybe ask for for professional help uh, doesn't always need to be a psychologist can also be a coach or a personal development coach or something like this why do you think people are still so hesitant is it like um to because they have to like say they have a weakness or maybe they have uh, like a development uh, f um, uh, like to do in, in their personal life or like for me it's very strange still to why people are so hesitant about that mm wonderful question and many many answers or many ideas i think one one thing is this perception of independence um that i think it's especially for women that you have to be the strong independent woman who does the, her own thing and never struggles and always goes further there's that picture out there right that you can The, the successful people are independent people. And if you just take that word independency, it means not caring about others and just doing your own thing, which is not necessarily a bad thing. If you think about, though, how to connect with other people, it is if you stay honest and if you help each other. And that would mean, though, actually allowing yourself to say, I'm not capable of doing it myself. I need the help of others to go further. And there is, I think, it's another one of these words, independency or interdependency, that has been, it's, it's a new word, it's a new thing. It's, it's from evolution or revolution, whatever you want to call it, that it is out there and people have a certain perception about it. And try to work towards it. And what I realized, I am independent. But I also know when I am dependent and I'm happy about it. I'm happy mm. about it to have people I can depend on. Like, that shouldn't be a bad thing that I know that there are people out there who are always going to help me and who are always going to support me. As well as also the like next step of interdependency. If you work on a certain project or process, isn't it just logical if you have more people connected to it and doing it as a team that more opinions are going to bring you further? Like, why would you have to do it yourself? Hmm. Yeah, I think it's society, right? Yeah. I mean, I think this is uh, where it all starts with um, first education that you uh, create group projects or personal projects about personal creates about group projects and so on and so on i think you know it starts already like um very early but also if you break down like company cultures right it's about uh, it's about the company performance but in the end every person has like individual performance and then you have team performance but individual performance is always so like put onto mm -hmm. like a pedestal same oh, for, yeah. i don't know as well as also it's then about this this whole failure um society you call it that we tend to always just talk about the failure this is what you did wrong take testing you always just get marked what you did wrong but never what you did right and in the end of course you need to know what you did wrong but 
It is also should be about you did an awesome job, like you really improved you and your process, you going places, and that definitely starts in education, and that's the same in 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 the job industry and later when you become a young professional that you always just get called in if you've done something wrong. But what about these talks that you get called in about, damn, you're doing an awesome job right now. Like, phew, this is awesome what you're doing. Those mm. talks don't happen often enough. Yeah. Positive reinforcement. That's, that's what we need, right? Yes. <laughs> um, and talking about positivity and talking about um, also like your journey, I mean, we talked a lot about mindfulness. We talked a lot about how you can get started. Um, but how would you define or how would you describe like a happy and fulfilled life for yourself? Wow. Um, I think the moment where I wake up, the, the those days or the future day, Where, where I wake up and I know that the whole day is it work or family or friends or Instagram or my podcast or whatsoever, I simply love what I talk about with anything I do. Like right now I'm doing my thesis and I definitely don't love that. <laughs> But <laughs> I hope that that one is done at some point and I can put more energy into doing things I love. Mm. Yeah. Doing things you love. Maybe that's the that's the key to a yeah. <laughs> successful and happy life. And what do, what do you find like the most difficult part of like your entrepreneurial journey? Like if you look at like uh, the life fanatics, like what part do you find most difficult? I'm so scared that I fail. Or not fail, but just don't fly. I'm scared as fuck that I start selling this platform or the workshops that I want to do to to bring across my message and my experience. And I'm so scared that it doesn't work. I'm, yeah. At, at the same time, it also is that motivator to like do it and try it. I mean, if you don't try it and run away from it before even making the experience, you never know if it could work. But I am scared. I am scared that I found a passion. I want to talk about it day and night and just imagine it doesn't work. And that scares me. Hmm. Also, uh, probably depending on what you defined on like what success is, right? Yes, definitely. I think that's, that's where it also starts maybe to <laughs> take away your fears a little bit. Yeah. But Do you think that it, your mindset changed a little bit on, because before you took on every challenge quite easily, right? You said, okay, like uh, president of student council, like bring it on and <laughs> just bring it on. Do you think you became a little bit more cautious of yourself um, based on like the, the, the past two years, what you've experienced that now you're a little bit more like hesitant on like, oh, I, I know where it can lead to. Or I know what, what can happen. I don't know if hesitant is the right word, but definitely, I think a bit more patient. So back then, someone asked me something, I said, yeah, sure. And now it's, I'll think about it. And then I consider, mm. 
is this really me? Like, does that bring me joy and happiness? Is that where I can fulfill my passion? Or do I do that because the other person, like, I, I think the other person expects me to do, so I have to do it. So I think it's, it's not more, it's not hesitant, but more patient or careful, careful with my decisions. Mm. As well as then also being okay to say no. Like, I've been saying no. Is it, was, was that, is that difficult for you? Yeah. Yeah. But I made some really good experiences with it that I said no. And also again, there saying no and being open about the, the why that I say no to someone and not just simply say, no, I can't do that. But sorry, I can't do that because emotionally I'm not capable of it or sorry, I can't do that. That's not me anymore. Um, just really explaining it. So giving, Offering the other person um, all the information to understand my decision and not to feel let down on a simple no. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's something that's a lot like, I think this is one of the, the most um, valuable lessons, I think, uh, saying no and yeah. knowing when to say no and when to say yes. I think that's where a lot of things, I think, also go wrong, like not only in startup world, not only as an entrepreneur, but also in personal life. Yes. Um, like when you figure out, like, I think this secret to life, then you can, um, I think achieve a lot. Yeah. Um, if you talk about secrets f for life, um, what, what does the future bring for you? Um, what do you, like, what are your aspirations for the next, uh, times like <laughs> without giving it a time frame? Thank you. Thank you for not giving it a time frame. Um, I think the aspirations I I want I want to try my own business. I want to try to be my own boss and to get my first employee or does like I don't know the bookkeeping or so I don't know but to have mm. this this is to to see to see the impact that mindfulness made on me in other people and seeing a real impact. So not just I gave a lecture and then people are like, oh, so inspirational, and then they don't do anything, but really seeing that people change because they learn something from me. I think that hmm. is the future. Very interesting. Um. Yeah, I think I, I slowly want to um, also bring the podcast home. I think it was really amazing to to talk to you, not only um, about your personal journey, but also I think about the entrepreneurial journey. Um, and I think you had a really, really nice development. Um, first uh, first to, to help yourself, but also uh, now uh, focusing to helping others. And I think this is a really, a really, really nice goal to have in the, in the future. Um, before we leave off, uh, I always have uh, three final questions uh, that I ask to every guest. <laughs> so I'm also very curious about your answers. Um, the first question is, uh, what are you not very good at right now and you want to become better at? Hmm. I'm not really good right now in taking care of my fitness. Okay, I want to become nice... better at that one. <laughs> that's a nice goal um and now you can listen to it on repeat so <laughs> we have it Yay. it's all there um what uh, title would you give this chapter of your life change change 
That's a clear one. Yeah. And the last uh, question, if you could send an SMS to every mobile phone in the world, what would you say? Oh, um, I would say very cheesy, but I would say be who you are because you are perfect. Hmm, nice. We, we didn't have cheesy. this one so far. It's very cheesy. <laughs> yeah, but, but it has to be cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> and I think a it's lot of everyone. people would read it and be like, yeah, yeah, you're talking. <laughs> but exactly. I think that is that is. The, pers the, the people that inspire me the most are the ones that stay with themselves and be 100% okay with who they are. And hmm. those people go places. So That's a perfect message. So there's my assent. Um, thank you so much for, for the past uh, hour. I think it was really, really nice talking to you. And um, yeah, we are looking forward where you where you go and um, how it develops with the life genetics. Yes. Thank you so much for having cool. me. Thank you so much. <laughs>